You're listening to McBee Care Threads, a podcast where leaders across the healthcare industry can learn from each other. We'll discuss stories and explore strategies to help providers deliver value-based care and hear your peers share their best practices for success. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome everyone to the McBee Care Threads podcast. My name is Maria Warren, and I'm a senior director here at McBee. My guest today is Summer Napier, who's the founder and chief executive officer at Healing Hands Healthcare. Today's episode, we'll be uh, discussing a little bit about leadership and staffing challenges uh, in today's workforce. So let's get started. So Summer, it's an honor to have you as my guest on today's podcast. Why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself and a little a bit about your background? Thank you, Marie, and thank you for having me. I always enjoy being around you. You're such a ray of sunshine, and you're just a huge, huge um, advocate for you know what we do. And I just think that you are ex- exceptional in your role and just your involvement in NAC and everything else. So thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you. Um, as you said, my name is Summer Napier. I'm founder and CEO of Healing Hands Healthcare. We are a home health and hospice organization serving 22 counties in North Central Texas, way on the South. You know, everything's better in Texas. Um, we have an average daily census that fluctuates from about uh, 1,400 to 1,500. Um, we have a very active hospital at home program, which is one of our pride and joys. Um, we do some house calls. We have little black bag house calls as well. So we do primary home care, transitional care management, chronic disease management. Um, also, you know, acute walk-in style, a walk-in clinic on wheels is what we call it. So we're very passionate about home-based health care and bringing, bringing health care home. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing some of that. Um, you know, I, from the moment that I met you, I was so inspired by your story. And I, I thought it was so awesome just how you took an idea and a passion and a dream and brought it to reality and how you founded Healing Hands. So um, tell uh, the listeners, just because I, I love the story and I, I think that we need more women like you inspired to take a dream, to run with it and do big things. Tell us a little bit about uh, how the idea came to light and how you followed your passion. Oh, thanks. Um, When I tell the story, sometimes I look back and I just laugh because I just think I had no idea what I was doing. Um, And I think more than anything is, you know, I tell my story. It's just that I remember being so scared and afraid to like step out on my own at, I think I was 28 when I just decided to, okay, I'm going to maybe pursue this. Um, but if it wouldn't have been for the strong people who believed in me around me and encouraged me, like, what are you waiting on? You can do this. I would have never done it. And so one of the things that I do often things get overlooked or I sometimes hear entrepreneurs say is, you know, like they're self-made or they're man-made. They're not like we're made by the people around us that encourage us to follow our dreams. And so I just want to make sure that anybody that's thinking about starting their own business, that they never overlook or, um, discredit those around them. But at, you know, I was working for, I've been in healthcare since 2008. Um, I knew when I went into healthcare that I wanted to be in home-based healthcare. Um, I just wanted to have a a more lasting effect on my patients than just the temporary interactions that I got in acute care. Now I did work in acute care for a little bit as, you know, a charge nurse, you know, in the hospital for a couple of years while I was building healing hands. Um, But being in home-based healthcare was where it was at for me. Um, it would, it would be my mission, my calling, whatever you, whatever it is to you, that's what it was to me. And so I had worked for a large, you know, 
publicly traded company for a while as an administrator and um they were fine but i just you know like the more we did the better that we did the more they pinched and the more they asked for and healthcare is the very hard and i think that sometimes we forget that the people that's providing the care they're human beings and they have human needs and they have you know hearts and they have lives outside of the jobs we ask them to do and so i just wanted to do it a little different they weren't doing it wrong you know they were doing their job and serving the community but i just wanted to do it different and that's what spurred me to start healing hands and so me and my co-founder sarah um who is you know one of my very best friends we've grown up together in business and in life um she actually came to me one day and was like you know what's your biggest dream and i said i i really want to do this on my own and she said well, what's stopping you and i had never been asked that question before and so um we had a conversation and we decided to go for it we were so broke when we started healing hands because we were working at the you know, hospital, you know, at night. So we could try to start the agency during the day. We had zero money. Um, you know, all of the the good American dreams that we think about, you know, you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And so uh, we started healing hands five years ago and we um, have had some bumps in the road, uh, but I would go through everything all over again because you know who it's taught me to be and the type of leader it's taught me to be and the lessons I've learned and the people that I've got to work with. That's awesome. I, I love that story. It's so inspiring. And I hope all of our listeners truly enjoyed hearing it as well as it, it gave them a, a feeling of, of hope and of, of faith of knowing that uh, it inspires them to, to take the risk, to take that leap of faith, go after their dreams and make it a reality. You know, as we think about, you know, coming off of International Women's Day as as well as um, Women History Month and thinking about some of those things that, you know, we are our own biggest advocates. We need a women to support more women as, as well as them and the men out there to support us in, in our dreams and, amb and ambitions of how we want to grow in the future that we see. And, um, I just love hearing that story and just what what an amazing adventure it's been for you and Sarah and just what exceptional leaders you are in bringing that forward and and living that dream and making it a reality. Thank you. It's been it's been a lot of fun, a lot of hard days, a lot of lessons learned. Um, but again, I would do it all over again. Um, I think that you know one of the things that people fall into the trap of believing is that if things aren't the way that you want um you have every opportunity to create the life that you want to live and for those around you and so you might have an exceptional job but you might not be fulfilled you might work for a great company but you might not be fulfilled and you know there's opportunities in both you can grow there or you can always step out and start your own and some people that's not for everybody the entrepreneur life is not for everybody because it's extremely hard um but if it is don't be afraid and don't let things hold you back Ain't that the truth? Anything worth having is worth fighting for. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing. It's, and if you wake up every day doing what you love and enjoying what you love, um, it's not a job. It's a passion. It's a calling. And, right. and that's truly the difference uh, that you, you look for in making of when you enjoy what you do and it becomes your life instead of work becoming your life. Right. You know, one of the funny things, and I don't know if you recall this or if I've told you this story, is that one of our friends from NAC and HHFMA, he had no idea that he played a huge part in giving me the courage to start Healing Hands because 
prior to me starting Healing Hands, we were at a work event and, you know, I was toggling between like, am I going to do this on my own or am I going to stay, you know, in the corporate route? And he was giving a presentation somewhere. He didn't know me from Adam. And I walked up to him and I said, let me ask you a question. You know, I've kind of heard, you know, that CMS is trying to drown out the small guy. Do you think that's what they're trying to do? Do you think there's a future for, you know, entrepreneurs or individual ownership? Or do you think that really it's going to get pushed to where, you know, the big guys own everything? And I was fully expecting him to talk me out of it. You know, he didn't know why I was asking. I was there under, you know, a corporation. And he said, I think there's absolutely always a place for mom and pops. And, uh, you know, he kind of went in a little spill about that. And he had no idea that I left that meeting with that being the confirmation that I was going to leave and do it, you know, because I I wanted him to talk me out of it. And so when he didn't, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, guess we're going for it. In, in every conversation that you have and interaction that you have, you never know, um, you know, what's the, what's the reason behind the ask or what advice or information that person's going to share that's going to help shape and mold you. Um, they, they may not even be realizing that they're they're guiding you and you have different mentors out there and sponsors out there that um, that you just tap into and, and ask for guidance and support and perspective on giving you that pulse check or that confirmation that you need to to run with it and and to go out there and do big things so that's awesome to hear yeah i'm just thankful for you know all of our friends that we get to do live with through NAC and hhfma and you know i'm so thankful that you know we got to meet and connect just just like you said you never know who's around the corner and who's going to play a big part in your life and you know where you're going to get led to Absolutely. Uh, that That's kind of one of those, the, the, the blessings in disguise in, in what we do is that every every interaction, um, not only within the industry, and if you think about the, the patients and caregivers and their families, um, everything leads to the next. Um, and, and it all comes back full circle because the industry is a lot smaller than we think. Um, we Actually, we know it's small. <laughs> we know it's a small circle and that we're all interconnected together. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, thoughts on leadership. You know, if, if uh, le- leadership has become such a, a huge part in not only today's workforce, um, staffing challenges continue to um, remain one of the most pressing challenges out there of how do you continuously attract and retain uh, the best employees? Um, it, it's it's a struggle right now, you know, coming off of COVID fatigue. I What would you say um, is is the culture within your organization as well as some of your leadership traits that help you attract and retain some of the best staff? That's a good question. So the culture at Healing Hands, I would, you know, obviously I'm biased because of who I am, but I would say that we do have an exceptional culture. Um, I do think the numbers speak for themselves. We have a less than 5% turnover rate year over year since inception. So we've held on to over 95% of our employees that have started with us and are along this journey with us. Um, And really, I think that everything that we've ever learned about leadership, we just, it should just be simplified. I think it really comes down to being the kind of person that you want to be and the kind of person that you want to be around. And, you know, as a young entrepreneur, I've gone through many different phases of what that looks like to me. You know, I've read books and then I might try to apply something and realize, well, that was the dumbest thing that I've ever done. Or, you know, I thought I've been taught not to do this, but this is what my coworkers crave the most. And so really, um, 
I think what I just boil it down to is that I have to understand that the people that I work with have certain needs and desires and for one, they're human. And so they wanted to be tra- treated, you know, with kindness and compassion. For two, they have outside responsibilities that impact their jobs. And so if they come to work and maybe they lash out at me or they're having a bad day, it's usually not related to something that's going on with me. And I've had to really learn that because, you know, sometimes your pride can get in the way and you can be like, well, who do you think you're talking to? You know, and then you're like, oh, yeah, you're human. And so am I. And maybe, you know, they're fighting with their husband or they're having financial problems. And it really has nothing to do with me. And instead of me them needing me to slam down the hammer and say, well, this is work and you need to separate it. I've had to learn to say, do you want to have a cup of coffee? Like, what's going on? Like, why did you respond that way? And then, you know, that always, you know, gets me a lot further than the opposite approach. Um, But also talking about their needs and desires is everybody has a desire to grow. Like, and it may, their growth may look different. Their desires may look different. You know, they may want to grow in the current position they're in. They may want to grow in education to be a better nurse. They may want to grow to, you know, climb up, whether it's the corporate ladder or just the ladder in our organization of how they can, you know, get to the next opportunity. Um, But I found that for me, the best thing to do in helping them is to always slow down and explain the why, which a lot of leaders aren't great at. And Mm -hmm. so like just this week, you know, I'm dealing with the mileage reimbursement, the gas prices that are surging. And, you know, we have staff saying, can we increase our mileage reimbursement? Can we do this? Can we do that? And so normally, you know, CEO is not going to get in the weeds with them about the financials. They're going to say, oh, we can't do that because of this, or we can do a little bit of it. But what I did is I just said, hey, guys, I've got several calls. I've got several texts. Let's address it. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not sweeping it under the rug. I know that it's in hard times, but let me show you how we get paid. And let me show you that Medicare doesn't pay me more because gas prices have surged. They don't. And so we only have so much money. And if we're going to give it in bonuses or we're going to give it in employee morale or raises, I'll let you guys have a say so and where you want to see it. If that's mileage, and you want us to increase it, here so. But if I know that it's going to cost me $400,000 a year to increase to what you're looking at, then that money's going to have to come out of somewhere, whether we, you know, skim on the bonuses next month for on call, or, you know, we don't have a company party a couple of months out of the year, or whatever it looks like, I want you, I want to be transparent and explain the why. And I think a lot of people are fearful of letting people know too much information for job security reasons or pride or whatever, but we just don't lead that way. We let them be a part of what we're building and it's worked exceptional for us. And I think people will have a hard time telling me to change it. That's great to hear. And it really helps that that explaining that why it is so important. I mean, everybody wants to understand the why behind it, how decisions are made. I mean, and, and as you know, um, many of the clinicians out there, uh, they, they get some of the basic financial courses, um, but not all of the intricacies of it to really understand bottom line and gross margin and how that all equates out and just the general operating expenses of the business. So being able to 
take the time uh, to listen to them, uh, to explain the why, to, to and then hear, hear from them on what are their challenges, um, what are their suggestions on possible solutions for it. Uh, if anything, it's just they, they feel like they're being heard. And that's the most important. I mean, especially to be able to sit down with the founder and CEO of the company for you to say, I'm here for you. I don't have all of the answers. I'm here to hear you out. I'm here to answer any questions. I mean, that's truly exceptional leadership. And, you know, that, that's somebody that I would want to work for, somebody that's going to take the time to listen to, to me, to my concerns. Um, and, and on days when it's work-related or not work-related, uh, that that caring, um, compassion, and just taking the time to, to listen and be an effective listener and communicator when you're going through some of these uh, tough times of not knowing when is gas going to go back down, that it's just so nice to have that in a leader. And I, I'm sure that that speaks volumes to your employee morale, as well as your ability to attract and retain uh, top talent within your organization. Yeah, I hope so. Have you done anything, you know, I mean, with all of the, the staffing challenges, COVID fatigue, what are some of the unique things that you can share with our listeners that you may have done differently um, as, as we think about the past couple of years of how things have shifted? You may not have people coming into the office all the time. How do you help keep everyone engaged? And what are some other uh, ways that we can share with our listeners who may be struggling on how to help engage and retain uh, employees? Um, yeah, so times have definitely changed. Um, we are big on culture here. And so, you know, I kind of alluded earlier is that we try to have monthly things and, you know, events to get people together. And so what that looked like through COVID, we used to have a, a Monday morning meeting every week where everybody got together before COVID and, you know, we do kind of some inspiration. Let's, okay, it's a work week. Let's go. We do some education on those days. And then COVID came and that halted everything. So then at that point we switched to zoom and then the zooms weren't really meeting that need. So then we started breaking up into small lunches where every single person in the company, uh, we would break out into teams of seven and we would have a leader go to every lunch. And in one week we would hit the whole company. So, um, we would have an agenda and we would do that and really just still get people together. So we did that through COVID it worked great until there was like two times where one person got sick and then the whole, the whole lunch group had to be quarantined, which was a disaster. But, you know, we still kept doing it because it was more important to us to stay together than it was, you know, to, to deal with that. Um, so that was one of the things that we did. But, you know, also times of change for our staff. And I think we had to be a little bit less, you know, hard hammered and we had to listen to what their needs were. And so for, we had to be a little bit innovative on, you know, how we could work with them and also work for the company. And what I mean by that is it's no um, shocker that we're all dealing with the issues of travel nursing. You know, we have a nurse and if we pay them 75,000, but then they get an offer, they get headhunted by a travel agency that's gonna pay them 160 or 300,000, whatever it is, we can't compete with that. We just don't have the funding for it. And so, you know, for instance, we had a really amazing nurse and she had been with us for several years, but she was a single mom and she got headhunted. And so she came to us and she was like, this is where my heart is, but financially, you know, with inflation and everything, I need to go do travel nursing for a little bit. And I could have been prideful. We could have said, no, you can't, you know, your job's not secure, but we worked with her and we said, 
hey, you're amazing. We totally know that you have to do what's best for you, even if it's not what's best for us, but we don't want to lose you indefinitely. So let's work something out where you can go do your contract. You can stay PR with us. She works with us on a couple of days a month when she's home doing admissions and stuff like that. And when her travel, you know, her travel nursing contracts in, she'll come back to us full time. Um, and we could have lost, you know, an employee there was exceptional that was trained that knew us through and through, but we had to put our pride to the side and really look at her as a person and what we could do in the future. Another example is, is with our hospital at home program through COVID, we have a lot of really high acuity patients. Well, with COVID, you know, coming hopefully to an end, that slamming shut. And so we have these thoroughbreds that love high acuity care and they were getting so much of it. And then now it's less and less. And so we have this guy come and he's like, you know, I'm an ER nurse by heart. I love working here and this is where I want to stay, but I need some adrenaline rush. And um, he was thinking of maybe picking up some at the ER or the ER had asked him to come back. And so, you know, we had a conversation with him and we said, what if, what do you need to, to stay PR in at the ER? He said, I have to work three shifts a month. And I said, what if I give you off or we work your schedule to where you have every Thursday off so you can work at the ER and stay with us? And he was like, you would do that? And I was like, absolutely. If it keeps you here, I need you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, you know? And so those are things, those conversations that people don't have. And we have to be flexible because we have a flexible generation that is no longer going to be told what to do. And they want to say so in their job and their responsibilities. And we have to listen to that. And so I do think that's one thing that sets us apart. And while it might be secret sauce, I think that it's something that we should all do. Um, there really is no secret sauce in healing hands. And I know people hate when I say that, but just be a good person. Mm -hmm. Just understand that everybody has to do what's best for them and find a way to make it best for both of you. That's well said. That That is so well said that it, work-life balance is so important to everyone. And, and as I mentioned earlier, it's when you love what you do, it's not a job and you don't want to make it a job. And how do you find a, a company that's willing to be flexible with you uh, and, and make schedules work depending on what your personal uh, needs are and what you have to be doing outside uh, of your day job to make sure that you're able to make, make ends meet for you and for your family and, and what's important. And and being able to have that level of flexibility so that you can help retain some of those great employees is the most important piece of it. Removing that fear from them that they can't go tell you, you know, what they're doing is, I think that's huge. I think that if there's fear in leadership or fearing a conversation, that really puts up a lot of walls and a lot of wedges that's really hard to break through. Um, you know, I have a friend that works with me and, you know, just last night she said, she was getting a real estate license. Well, she's full time with me. So immediately I'm like, what is happening? And it was just something on her list, you know, like to be able to, to say, hey, I'm doing this. There's no fear. I'm not leaving. This isn't going to take the place. I just want you to know. And for me to be encouraging of that, I think that, you know, not a lot of people do that. There's a lot of worries and loyalty and turf wars. And I, I think it's no place for it. 
Yeah, you, you can't be afraid to ask the question, uh, to to have the conversation, because if you are, you're never going to know what what the outcome and what the potential could be if you don't speak up. Because really, you're, you're your own best and biggest advocate. Is you have to speak up for yourself and be heard, and um, hope ever hope on the receiving end, it's somebody just like you that's willing to be able to listen with compassion and understanding and help figure out a way to make it work. And if yeah. not now, later, uh, but working together is the most important piece of it. Well, I truly appreciate you joining me today, sharing about you and your story and how you came to grow Healing Hands to the awesome organization that it is today. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Always enjoy my time and convos with you. Same. Looking forward to being back in person at our next event. Thank you for Absolutely. having me. Anytime. We hope all of our listeners enjoyed this episode of the McBee Care Thread podcast. At McBee, we understand the challenges providers face across the healthcare landscape. For more than 45 years, we've been a part of the evolution of the healthcare industry. Our strategic advisory solutions span the home health, hospice, health system, and senior living care continuums, creating improved clinical, financial, and operational outcomes. Our expertise is guaranteed. Our solutions empower. Visit us today at mcbeassociates.com. Thank you for listening to McBee Care Threads. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. For more information on the topics discussed today, visit our website at mcbeassociates.com. Until next time.